Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I am thrilled to get to sit down for an hour and talk to a woman who has not only become a wonderful friend, but also has been a huge inspiration and a huge part of my journey into motherhood and my first 18, 17 months today, actually, of Mm -hmm. life as a mama with Evie. And so uh, without further ado, Eliza, thank you so, so, so much for coming back on the podcast for the third topic, but fourth episode. (laughs) So excited about this. I love this topic. Oh, it's such a treat. So a little (laughs) quick bio as a refresher, though you have been on before. Um, You guys, this is Eliza Parker, a certified infant developmental movement educator, aware parenting instructor, body mind centering practitioner and trained. Let me get this right. Feldenkrais. Yep practitioner. Beautiful. Eliza respects babies as whole people who enter the world knowing how to communicate, learn and self heal within relationship. Her conscious baby practice employs a unique approach to baby led. I can do it myself milestone development, which we have seen, we have witnessed firsthand. It's been absolutely incredible. Um, as well as attunement to nonverbal cues and crying Eliza's life changing perspectives on respectful solutions toward common parenting questions transcend typical parenting advice. Her work addresses babies on the well baby spectrum and those experiencing challenges such as motor delay, difficulty in tummy time and hip dysplasia. And it's been incredible, Eliza, because you've been there from the very beginning for us. Um, we've mm-hmm. I've learned so much from you from the moment Evie was born with aware parenting practice. And then um, also in her development, you guys, if you haven't listened to the belly crawling episode, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, you have given me so much peace of mind in the fact that Evie has developed in her own time. And I have been so okay with that. It wasn't until honestly the last two weeks at almost 17 months that she started walking. And um, yep. for me, because of you, I look at that and I'm like, cool, more time crawling. It's so good for her. Yeah. <laughs> so Hello. yeah, gives me peace of mind that you guys are out there playing with this stuff. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And now we get to talk a little bit today about um, just the, the relationship between baby sleep and toddler challenges um, through the lens of baby's birth story, which I just find to be absolutely fascinating. And once again, I've had a very unique, special kind of life-changing experience processing and going through this and working through this with you and Evie and I. Um, and so I am just absolutely giddy to get to sit down with you and talk through this and um, share your insight with so many other moms out there because it's amazing how we had a breakthrough in really diving into birth story, which is interesting because I thought, man, my birth story was really incredible. And um, I didn't, there was, there's no trauma or whatever, whatever. I, Evie's sleep can't be a result of anything involving birth story. And what we found was it was not just birth story, but pregnancy story as well. And so I can't wait to just dive into this and um, share with our wonderful listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on and coming on and sharing your, your heart and your mind and your soul with us. 
You're welcome. Thank you. So wonderful. Oh. Um, okay. Well, I feel like we should jump in. Um, yeah. Before we do, let's yeah, see. Do ahead. you have any updates for us from the last time that you came on? Just life, anything you want to share before we jump into the, the goods here? Well, two fascinating things. One is that I don't know, I've probably never shared this with y'all. I'm a rhythm tap dancer, which is like, super fun. So fun. So, cool. so think jazz music. So rhythm tap grew up with jazz, um, Bojangles, Bill, Bill Robinson, who danced with Shirley Temple. Um, so there's offshoots, there's different types of tap. So it's not Broadway tap. Um, it's just a different type, rhythm tap. So here in Austin, we have Tapestry Dance Company, shout out. Um, they're a full-time professional company. They put on a holiday jazz tap version of the Nutcracker called Of Mice and Music. And I'm in the adult student company. So we have to be part of the family show too. <laughs> it's just so fun. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. Um... Is there any, will it be streamed anywhere or is this just a see in person kind of thing? It's a fly yourself to Austin. <laughs> Maybe we'll drive the van. When does it, when does it go? When, when, when do you it's perform? December 13th, um, oh, that wow. weekend. And then the following weekend. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> my second thing, just cause it's fresh on my mind yesterday. Hi friends, Laura here with some exciting news. Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high-quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water. You mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine-free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow. And they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is, is going to fit with your lifestyle, and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas, or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 15% off. Check it out, see what fits your life, and happy shrooming. I had a tongue tie assessment for myself, which we could talk for hours about that stuff too, but just like working with families and babies, and this comes up a lot, obviously, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as a challenge, but I just finally realized that I have a tongue tie. <laughs> wow. So inspiration, yeah, that was quite, that was a big subject change right there, but um, inspiration to families and moms if you're going through this with your baby or even yourself or breathing issues or sleep issues just like wow <laughs> I learned so much that's yesterday. incredible so are you going to end up with a revision we I'm going to take some other steps because there's some other stuff we need to figure out about my palate and 
throat and stuff. Wow. So that's first the first step. And then based on that, um, we'll decide about revision. Oh, my goodness. How enlightening, though. I mean, it's it's probably feels in some ways good, I imagine, to have some more insight into just your body and the workings of your mouth and your palate. And, and all of that is so inner inner worked with our health and so yeah. much. So fascinating. It's about oxygen. Like. Yeah. Well, keep yeah. us updated. Maybe we ha- we'll have you on again to, to kind of dive into that a little bit more because we do get questions about ties all the time and we don't, yeah. I don't have much experience with it. Evie um, didn't, as, thus far at least, didn't need any sort of revisions and she's, you know, we haven't had any issues. So it's something that I am fascinated to learn more about um, yeah. and I'm sure people would love to hear. I don't have any experience diagnosing just that, like, I can, what I see from my end working with families mm-hmm. and I'm, what will become my experience. So. That's my update. All right. Well, thank you. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, two very different updates. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Real life. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's dive into the topic. Um, can you give us a little bit of an overview? Uh, what is birth story work about? Uh, what it can help? What is the purpose? What have you seen? That kind of thing. Yeah. So this will be just to give you a quick summary and kind of my first how I first saw it, and then we can get more into details. So basically the thing is babies are so very aware and they remember their birth and they need to process their experiences just like we do. Um, and kind of the, the short story here is that it can, when there's something that is not quite processed, it can affect sleep. So baby sleep, toddler sleep, toddler challenges, um, behavior challenges or things that seem odd or, um, strange fears, or it seems like something just isn't resolving that you're trying to, that you keep trying to work with. Um, so it can be a part of that because it's such an integral part of our own story. And then it can also be just fun and helpful for communication. Um, even if people aren't having a particular challenge, it's a beautiful way to communicate with your pre pre language child and um, gain insight on their world. Um, the first time I saw this with a baby was many years ago. I was nannying, and this baby was about eight months old, I think. He had been crying, and so um, this was beyond needs crying, so he wasn't hungry, etc., he had just been crying and he was in my lap and he belly flopped himself out of my lap and um, kind of across the floor over to their coffee table and he slaps his hand on a book that's on the bottom shelf of the coffee table and I pull it out and it's a picture book of him in the NICU. Um, and he had been in the NICU for jaundice. Um, and I also want to mention any stories I tell, I have permission to share. Um, but he had slapped his hand on this book and I just kind of, I was like, Oh, are you, are you trying to tell me about this? <laughs> and so we'd like, I kind of, I just talked to him about it and looked at the pictures and I was like, Oh, you were thank you. And I hadn't known that about him. And I talked to his parents when they got home and they just hadn't realized that, him being in the NICU could be or might have been stressful for him. Um, So it's, and this is another good point about this birth story work. It's not, um, the the parents, of course, 
they wanted to be with their baby. So they might have felt stressed, but sometimes it's not always recognized what babies may be stressed about. So this work is really from the baby's perspective. So it's any birth experience. Um, it's not judgment or assessment of birth choices or circumstances. It's regardless of labels. Um, the birth may have looked perfect on paper, whatever. And even like your story, you said, but it's really from the baby's perspective and the mom's perspective and whoever was present. Um, so that's, that's kind of the angle of this work. And, um, and also, so folks have some perspective. I work with zero to two and a half, nearly three. So my perspective is, um, for those guys and, and what their perspective is. That's so fascinating. I, I just love it. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me with all of this is just how wise our little ones are and how mm -hmm. communicative they can be when we kind of just like show up and just sit there and, and really listen and take it in. And they are so able to tell us from a very young age what they need from us or what they need to process or, um, you know, it, it, it's really fascinating. And I think that's been one of the, the best things for me about motherhood is learning to truly listen to Evie when she has things to share. Um, and it, I think it's alleviated a lot of potential for frustration for her. And so it's made parenting relatively, I hate the word easy, but pretty yeah. smooth, just listening and yeah. tuning in. And, uh, you know, she's very aware and very, very curious and very, very communicative. And I think that's because I've learned to really open my heart and mind to listen to her, even though she's not using very many actual words, she can tell an entire story uh, in her own way. So it's pretty fascinating. And I think, yeah. and then the birth, you know, being able, they are aware even from birth, yeah. maybe even from in the womb. And so they have to process that stuff just as much as we do. So I just yeah. I love it. That's why I love this work so much. It's so, so magical. I feel like everything I do is magical the work that I do and like what babies show us in all of the things like the motor development and the sleep and the, the extended cry, the cry release, stress release, it's all magical. But this piece, this birth story, just because like you said, they really communicate these things and it just really shows us how much babies seek to understand their experiences and like, how driven they are to heal from the very beginning innately. And I think some of these things, sometimes it's just assumed that um, babies aren't aware. Um, I'm speaking very generally, just kind of like society view. Mm -hmm. um, and just that can be a new agey word or I don't know. We think of it in different ways, but I feel like there's also a lot of pressure on parents. Like if the baby's crying to always figure out why they're crying or if something's wrong to always fix it. And it's like, actually real life has experiences in it and big feelings in it. And that's all normal and healthy. And babies really come out of the womb with these innate abilities to work with this stuff and to express it and understand stuff and communicate in relationship. 
to such an immense degree. And I think that sometimes gets lost just, you know, they don't have language yet necessarily in our way of language. And so some assumptions can get made, but I just like when you combine all this stuff, their ability to communicate the birth story, the how how they release stress, what it means when they cry beyond these led way of life. It's just stellar. <laughs> Absolutely. And something that's been on my heart a lot lately is this idea of um oftentimes as we grow, especially women we end up at odds with our bodies. Like I have women reach out and are like, my doctor told me that during this pregnancy, like I can't gain more than 25 pounds or I need to hit this weight or I need to be able to lift this or I need to be able to what, fit this aesthetic or have this this body fat percentage. And, and we come into oftentimes, especially in pregnancy, when for whatever reason, we learn to be at odds with our body or mm. to avoid emotion or to um, feel weak, like, like see crying or expression of emotion as a sign of weakness. And so in this, I feel we have such an, an opportunity to actually learn from our babies, um, and learn that like they are born with that, like you said, that innate ability to process and to want to heal and their body, our bodies and our souls want to be well. And so when we can tap into that and respect that and learn from our little ones that it's okay to feel feelings, it's okay to process. It's okay to, um, let our bodies heal and to tap into that, that wisdom of our own bodies and, and our own, um, hearts and minds. It's just, it's so powerful on so many levels. And so it's been a real life changer for me. I've learned more from my kid than I think she will ever learn from me. <laughs> I just, it's like, I don't know if, I feel like there's a lot of things that we try to make perfect, mm-hmm. um, in the ways you just shared in society, but also just like, I don't know, it's kind of a, uh, counterintuitive cause baby newborns, they are fragile in a certain way. You know, they're, they need care, their head, they don't have head control and they need to be held and, um, the bones and joints are still forming, but at the same time, they are so just so full and strong and whole and incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I, let's, let's dive into this because I'm sure now everyone's like, well, I want to hear more. How can, how can yeah. I help my little one or, and myself by uh, doing some processing here? So I'd love to hear more. Okay. So let's look, um, let's kind of go through when, when working with um, that folks can kind of start um, getting a sense where it applies. So I'm going to go into it a little bit more. So s- sleep challenges, some sleep challenges, sometimes it's a quote, simple <laughs> thing, or it's just like one layer. But sometimes like if something is not resolving, you've been working with something, it's not resolving. So sleep challenges, um, extended crying, you've met all the needs and they're still crying. And that in itself, sometimes it's just a matter of stress release, but then sometimes it's, it's this bigger stuff too. Arching. Um, if you see arching and arching and pushing, especially in your baby, that's often a sign and they're processing something about their birth when separation becomes extremely difficult. So Separation anxiety or um, what se- separation 
can't think of the word at the moment that I'm looking for, but um, a little bit of separation stress is, of course, normal at particular ages. But that's kind of like if it seems extreme, extreme, extremely difficult to separate toddler behaviors when it's more than just a phase. So things like they're resistant or bossy or they're pulling hair, difficulty with transitions or aggression. So it's again, some of these things, if you just kind of see it a little bit and it moves on, that might be different. But when it, when you kind of feel like something's stuck or it's an ongoing pattern, other things are, if something seems a little odd or just you wonder why. So a, t- a baby or a toddler who keeps putting things around his neck. Um, so then again, yeah, if they're exploring a necklace or like your teething necklace or whatever for the first time or, or in general, that's cool. But if it's kind of this repeated thing of putting something around their neck or they keep react, reenacting in play that they're fighting something off can be a clue. Just like your gut feeling, there's just something. Strange fears, like your child's afraid to go through a tunnel or they're afraid of certain people or they they get very anxious when something's on their face or, um, or you feel like they're having nightmares those can be signals they're still processing something around birth some other um, examples like if if you feel like your child is not not affectionate with you or seems to dislike you or doesn't want you around or it seems hard to connect Um, and again this like these can be indications of other things as well but but This kind of, it's like all of the, the common thread through all of these is there's something that isn't quite settled or there seems like there's something for the child that isn't quite right or just something is stuck or not resolving. That can be the clue. Um, And then, yeah, and then also just in general for if you feel like you're having trouble communicating with your pre-verbal or pre-language child, um, this can be a great Kickstarter. Um, Maybe I'll also just mention some birth scenarios that it can be helpful for, um, and then we can see if if folks, if you want a story here. But so, so basically, any birth situation really. So there's no, there's no qualifying measurement. It doesn't matter um, what it was. It doesn't matter how it appeared on paper. It doesn't matter how your birth was to anybody else. It's really how it was for you as a mom and your baby for your baby and dad and um, whoever was there. So, but things like things that I commonly see are like getting stuck in the birth canal coming out very fast, a C-section of any type, interventions, of course, like vacuum or forceps, um, the cord being wrapped around the neck, and then even like cutting the cord, 
Um, if there was a detour, I call it before meeting mom and dad. So they're born and then they're taken away, um, for something and then brought back to mom. That can be something they're processing. Um, if there was induction, medications, the NICU and early separation, really anything, adoption, pregnancy stress, prior miscarriage, um, and, and feelings, which are very normal, but kind of through pregnancy with that. And again, just to emphasize, none of this is about, um, implying guilt and it's not about choices. It's just literally what Mm -hmm. happened and how is it from the baby's perspective? And that's where I was going to, I love that you dove into pregnancy as well. Cause as you know, with our time together, we were kind of talking through sleep and I hadn't yet night weaned and Evie was just having a hard time at night. Like she just was, she was so happy during the day, but at night, just a lot of waking and crying and we would let her just cry and process and we'd be there with her, but it, w- it didn't seem to be resolving or, or I would just nurse her because sometimes we were just tired and she'd go back to sleep. And then in that session we had, um, we talked about how, especially in early pregnancy, I was very nervous. I didn't fully trust my body. And our listeners know that I went through seven years with no period. And I thought conception was going to take us a really long time. I just assumed it was going to be hard. Um, and it wasn't, we conceived her within just a few months. And then I was like, you know, a little bit, I I think I was lacking some body trust. And so in those, that first trimester, I was really, I was constantly thinking about the potential of, 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 um, losing her. And so mm-hmm. we started talking about that and, and it didn't even occur to me. You were, I think you asked me a question about pregnancy and then Rusty kind of chimed in and was like, you know, she was nervous. And the yeah. second he said that Evie climbed into my lap and just started <laughs> crying. And then yeah. I started crying and it all kind of just came to the surface, the stuff that I didn't even know that I needed to process. And mm-hmm. I, apparently she did too. And so she taught me that there was more to my story than just labor and delivery And like my birth story, it was also pregnancy. And that was at that night, she slept better. She had such a big release. And then I felt from then on, it's been easier for her to get like a 15, 20 minute cry and really be settled in. And then she'll go down versus like waking up multiple times and like kind of fussing, but not fully releasing. It was incredibly powerful for us. Yeah, that was what I remember too about that. That was magical was that while we were going through stuff, see with birth story work, sometimes it takes like, it takes us some detective work to locate what's triggering or stuck or whatever for the baby. Um, sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's not. So with, I just remember talking through stuff with you and we're talking through, um, sleep and we talk through like your whole entire birth story and she's just chilling out, like playing and hanging out. And then I was like, there's something, there's something, there's something else. I can feel it. So I'm asking you about pregnancy (laughs) and Rusty chimes in. And then she just took the cue. She just was like, there it is. And then she crawled to you and had a cry. And it's just like, they really do this. Like they really show us. (laughs) I had had to tell goosebumps. I, I didn't know how badly I needed to cry. And Rusty like looked at me and he was like, whoa, um, (laughs) We were just, not that we needed to be sold, but in that moment we were like, oh, wow. It was just so incredible and so powerful to see it truly play out firsthand with like our own emotions and our, in our own world, you know, you can hear about it and you can believe it, but then when it happens to you and you experience it firsthand, it's just, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Totally magical. Um, 
let's see. Do you think, shall I share another story kind of example from a family or do you want to dive into? um, I think one more story would be great so people can see maybe, you know, if you have an experience that's more like birth story versus pregnancy story, I think that could be powerful for um, other mamas uh, to relate to. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let me share this story. So this was a child, a little boy who was, who had just turned two. Um, The challenge they were having was that he was screaming and not wanting mom around and kind of some hitting and some sleep, sleep and nap troubles. Um, And there was, there there was also been some recent mom separation unintended. Um, So that was a part of the story, but it wasn't the whole story. So when I showed up, the first thing I noticed was he was already doing some play. He had a lot of tunnel play going on where things were getting stuck in tunnels. Um, so he had kind of these, these blocks, these plastic blocks with holes in them. And he had this little squishy earplug that he would drop down and kind of look in. And so like the very first thing I'm like, hi. And then, and then I'm like, Oh, (laughs) we're in it. Okay. Um, so it's, so he's playing with the thing going down the tunnel and uh Oh, and where is it? And we're looking for it and trying to rescue it. And the thing getting stuck under the block when we're trying to rescue it. And it turns out that he had had, they had had a long labor um, kind of got stalled. He kind of got stuck for a bit. Um, he also had had the cord wrapped around his neck. So this is like really looking symbolically on the surface. It might just look like a toddler playing and dropping stuff down a hole. And there is that, like there is experimenting with sizes and holes and toys and whatever, but um, when you look at the whole picture, so, so that was kind of how we started. And then his mother and I started talking some about, um, just kind of getting more into the birth story, what happened. And, um, I had had them just have some stuff handy in case we used it. So she, she had had a box that he kind of fit into and it was on its side and he crawled himself into the box um, which is which is kind of a womb type scenario. We taught we kept talking about the birth and he had another structure that he crawled into, but he kind of had he, he would pop his head out a little bit at a time and then go back in and pop his head out and go back in. Um, and this is the type of play that we do a lot with um, kind of going into a a womb type space, but it's also with him with, it's like follow and lead, follow and lead. Like he let, he was already in the play when I got there. I took the lead and talked to his mom about stuff. And then he took the lead and did this play. And then I took the lead and kind of identified, you know, that's kind of like, um, the cord being wrapped around his neck. So one thing about why this is also so important to pay attention to is that babies innately are very proactive or they want to be, they try to be very proactive. They want to be a part of things, um, when they're being born. And 
it just can be a catch 22 if the if a cord is wrapped around the neck because they're trying to protect themselves but and by not coming out but everyone also needs them to come out or is trying to get them to come out um so it's just kind of this stuck spot so he was kind of showing us that part of his story with the I felt with the popping out and going in. Um, and I just continued kind of going back and forth with some directed play and him taking the lead. And I took that lead from him and we went more into some kind of symbolic play with, with the dolls as, as the doctor and the doll coming out and, and, he started taking the shirt off the doll and it got stuck around the doll's neck. So we kind of worked through that. And so what we do when we go through the scenario like this, it's partly to help everyone understand what happened. It's partly to acknowledge feelings. Um, so there was a lot more going on. This is just kind of the skeleton of the scenario, but, um, and then it's also partly to, repattern some options so where you not we acknowledge yep that that baby is stuck or that shirt is stuck around that neck what should we do or what happens what happens next or what if the baby what if the shirt was already off and the baby come came out so just looking for all these options um, one last thing i'll say about this this child um this family is that in the, we did another session together, and in that session, he led into some power reversal play around standing up for himself, um, kind of, I don't remember exactly what it was. There might have been a dinosaur involved. <laughs> um, not exactly sure, but it, that is also indicative of him being able to take the next step. So a little bit moving through the, the actual scenario to how he could take up his own power in this scenario and stand up for himself. Um, and again, this is not about, he had, ha he, he had had some interventions. He had had, a, he had been vacuumed out. Um, and of course came out with the cord and they had to cut the cord from his neck so it's not about like that uh, that saved his life most likely at the same time so it's, it's not about that any of um what should or shouldn't have happened or that that it saved his life or whatever but it's really what was his his perception and his experience in it um and if you think of being a child who you're trying to be born you have the cord wrapped around your neck you're, you're wanting to be a part of the process, but you can't go out because it's going to put you in danger. Um, but people are, you, you get drawn out by the vacuum and it's like, they don't need everything. They don't need interventions or whatever, not to have happened necessarily in this sense. It's like they need what they're working on is trying to understand what happened. Like it's kind of that experience of, Hey guys, this happened to me. Does anybody understand me? Like, did y'all hear me? Do you know I was trying to help? Um, and just acknowledging all the feelings and what happened and explaining and 
And I guess it's just like if you and I have a situation that's really on our mind, um, to just like acknowledge it. And if you think about how do we move on from something, how do we let go of something, acknowledging it is just a, it can be a huge piece. Absolutely. It's so cool. Um, I could listen to this all day. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and I think like, like I was saying before, like it, tuning into them helps us tune into ourselves. And then when we can do that, we can be better parents or caregivers or aunts or uncles or whatever the case may be. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Um, they can also teach us self-love and self-compassion and empathy. Um, yeah. So awesome. Okay. So I mean, you've already touched on this a little bit, but um, can you talk a little bit more about like what, you know, now that we've had some specific examples, but like why it's so important, is there anything you want to add in that, in that capacity? Yeah. Why it's so important to pay attention to this stuff, to birth story babies. Um, yeah, this, in addition to their, um, babies trying to, wanting to be a part of things, being proactive, it's like, they also need to be able to orient to what's happening during the process. So is mom. Um, and the baby is innately looking for mom or kind of, it's like that expectation. You're, you're inside mom. You're going to have a journey and then you go outside and you're, lo- you're, you're looking for that same being. But sometimes things go too fast to orient for baby or mom or anyone else there. Sometimes circumstances happen that the baby then needs to understand, like we talked about or have feelings about. Sometimes they need to complete something they were expecting or looking for that might have been interrupted. Like if there was an emergency and after they were born, they were taken and put on a table and had to have their lungs, you know, their breathing helped or whatever the case may be. And then they were brought to mom. Um, sometimes it's like some part of them can still be looking for that. Even for us as grownups, I feel like if something wasn't resolved, it's like some part of us can still be looking for it. Um, the part, of, part of this is, uh, it's just acknowledging all that stuff. And then some other things, which we can get into now or kind of circle back around to, but there's some things about memory types of memory, um, birth imprints. Imprint is a really important concept that I do want to talk some more about. Um, neuroplasticity is a part of this too. So that was kind of a, like that was partial answer. (laughs) Do you want, shall we go into that a little bit more kind of the techno speak or, so we come to more practical and kind of I circle. Think, I, I know personally, I, I, I'm into the practical. <laughs> so let's dive there. And then if we have time, we can circle back to some of that others, the others speak. Lots of fascinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let me say a little bit about how, a little more about how it can relate to sleep. So in my work, sleep is really about the ability to relax and let go and feel safe and okay in the world. And and so when there's something like this that's just lingering for the child, it can affect that that just that sense of 
being and ability to relax. And then sleep also is kind of like a separation. Sleep itself can be like a separation going to sleep. It's go, it's a, it's changing states. It's going into a different state. So it, it can kind of also trigger some of the stuff I feel like sometimes. Um, so yeah, how to recognize it. Let's talk through the practical stuff, how to recognize it, what you can do. Recognizing it is partly if you see things like extended crying, crying, you, um, you've beyond needs, you've met the needs. There's something that's not resolving the arching and pushing intense separation, anxiety. It's that kind of stuff. Um, it's the behaviors we mentioned, but also, um, if you're playing with a tunnel one day, you feel like your child doesn't know how to go through a tunnel. Um, or even something like your, your child seems revved up or unfocused kind of as a mode of operation as an MO. These things can be indications. So it's, so it's looking at all of those, the challenges you're having, is there crying? Are there kind of some interesting, um, behaviors or even just, do you have a gut feeling? Um, is a big one. So why don't we, let me take you through, yeah, some things that you can do. For starters, a few important things before we actually get into what to do. This type of play um, and birth story just needs to be done with sensitivity. Um, there are all kinds of birth stories, all kinds of experiences. They affect babies and mamas. Um, and dads differently. But if you, if you're feeling like you need support yourself, always get, get what you need. Um, because this play that we're going to talk about is a little more geared toward baby's perspective and kind of looking at things from baby's perspective. Um, so it's important where the mom, where mom is also. And just to know that feelings can come up during this process for baby or parents, which you've shared, Laura. So kind of just to be aware of that. But so if you want to explore this with your baby or toddler or child, start simple and gentle. The main tip that I feel like I can share is that it's a way of thinking. So just like the child I shared about um, dropping things into tunnels. It's a way of thinking. So just have an awareness and be curious as you're observing your baby, your child play. Is there something symbolic? Is there something that mirrors your birthing experience? Um, and this is not to say that all of all places are going to be related to birth. It's not that at all. It's just like have a curiosity and an awareness. Um, because when you can get into that way of thinking, um, and this is not so much like an actual thing to do, but this way of thinking, it's like your perception and your awareness and your thinking and how you see your child in this way will in itself give you ideas, might give you a clue to then start talking about 
Um, so here's tip number two, talk about it with your child. Um, and this can be <laughs> solicited or unsolicited. Solicited. Okay, I can't say that word right now. Solicited? Um, yeah. <laughs> Words are hard. I say that all the time. <laughs> Words. So, um, in a sense, so you could just start talking about it with your child, or if you feel like you're seeing something you're curious about in their play, or they're talking about being in your tummy, that's kind of a more obvious one, but there's no age too young, so go ahead and talk about it with your child, um, if you know you had a stressful situation during birth, explain what happened and why. Um, I've had, I've definitely had some toddlers, it's, or, and babies, it's not that something about the story is necessarily triggering feelings, but when the story is told, sometimes they just will sit and really listen. Um, they're really taking it in. Um, if you don't necessarily feel like you had something stressful, you can just talk about, do you remember being in my tummy? So it's partly sharing the information, what happened. It's partly, what was that like? Do you remember being in my tummy? How was it for you? You can look at photos together. Um, that will that can bring up conversation or your, your child can respond. So it's also giving an invitation about a part of your story or looking at a picture and just noticing how your child responds and kind of going from there in terms of play again a way of thinking so if you think about themes um themes in pregnancy and birth like like hiding or peekaboo or appearing hiding and appearing oh there you are peekaboo, kind of being inside something and then being outside something, that can be birth play. It can lead to kind of some conversation if you want it to, or you can just play kind of the peekaboo, but you can kind of take it up a notch like, oh, oh, there you are. Oh, there's my baby. Oh, I see you. I'm so happy to see you. Um, so that's kind of general. You can also notice things that are a little more specific to your situation. So, um, certain props. So like one, one toddler that I worked with, we started talking about cutting the cord and he reached for the scissors. Um, he knew where they were. So he climbed up like on the chair, on the desk to try to get to the scissors. So, um, of course be safe. My point there is to kind of notice. So if there's something particular, about your situation, if or if you if you have a doctor's kit, or you need to build force, um, pay attention to those things. Notice what your child does with them, um, and kind of again talk through the story with them. And so that so, what do I want to say here? Big feelings can come up. If those come up, allow them, stay with them. Um, it's kind of a, there are ways you can do this very um, kind of basic and theme. Like when I work with folks, we really look at all aspects of things, the story, the movement, 
like the arching movement, the feelings, the play, the games, and um, kind of supporting that process of big feelings. So you also, as a parent or caregiver, stay in tune with what you're comfortable with as well. Um, because this work can be so magical. Sometimes a child just needs the understanding and sometimes they need to have some feelings about it. Um, but you also want to, you're a part of this too. So you want to kind of observe your baby and, and yourself as you're going through it. Um, so that's, that's some things parents can do. As far as what to expect, shall I keep on talking, Laura? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm just sitting here soaking it all in. <laughs> as far as what to expect, so sometimes challenges resolve really quickly um, for that same reason, because something, some, something simply needed to be understood, um, and, now, and now the child can relax. Sometimes it's a longer story, so it will take several bits and pieces over time. So we're not necessarily looking for perfection of whatever challenge. So it's not necessarily perfection of sleep or behavior or whatever. It's really to, we're wanting to support children through what they're processing or communicating right now with this challenge that they're having um, in order for them to move to the next step. The next step might be that it's resolved and the challenge is resolved, or the next step might be that there's another piece of the story that they would like, they're trying to communicate also. Um, and that's not meant to be discouraging, but it's just like, this is authentic being human. Like this is, this is that healing piece. This is where I feel like, we really want sleep and behavior stuff and like life to be clean and neat, <laughs> but really it's, it's often messy and chaotic and active and there's feelings. Um, so just know that habits take time. If it's, if it's, a, if something, that, if, if something they're processing has become a habit of behavior or sleep, that's kind of another le level and habits take time to change sometimes, but um, with them, like what's underneath that habit and then, and then letting everything else kind of filter out from there, from that place of okayness and being able to settle and relax. I love it. There's, it takes a little bit of work and effort and it can be uncomfortable, but I feel like that discomfort in the beginning and just being okay with that and like sitting with it and stepping into it. Um, it just opens doors that I never realized really possible because sometimes it's not comfortable to, to like process this stuff with your kids. You're like, man, you're going to make me, you're going to make me relive this. Are you? Um, <laughs> but it's that reliving it that is just like, it just opens doors in ways that I could never have imagined until I went through it. Yeah. And this is, this is not necessarily the easy way around, but it's really the deep, <laughs> This is like, this is the getting down to the, what's causing things and, um, and just really like, what is the fabric of how we perceive 
the world. Maybe this brings me to imprints. Maybe I'll say a word about that. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so we in this work, so also, by the way, this birth work that I do, as I do, it comes out of infant developmental movement education. That's where the movement and arching comes from. Where parenting, that's where the understanding about feelings comes from. And then there's, um, I want to mention an organization called APA, Association. Well, anyway, it's pre and perinatal psychology. Um, I can give you the link, Laura, but APA talks a lot about imprints. So, um, or that's where I learned to call it that anyway. So if you think about like, you know how a baby chick will imprint on the first moving thing they see? Yeah. That's the mother. So it's a similar idea, not in who's my mom, but the in in like there's certain times during pregnancy and birth when an experience can make such a deep impression that it can pattern our expectations and responses and assumptions and how we feel about people um, or how we feel about the world. So these, these moments give us information about the world. It's a foundational experience that um, kind of gives us a lens to see the world through. It, it can become a platform that we build some of our thinking and beliefs on. Um, it can inform how we feel we need to interact with people or our environment. So that's really what we're working with in this birth play um, is what are those, what are those moments that have set us up, or set a baby up? Um, for instance, one story about sometimes when babies are come out by a vacuum, it's like they learn to interact with people around something around the head. So it could be pulling hair, pulling hair is the way that you engage with someone. Um, and again, this is not every pulling hair situation, but, um, just kind of as an, as an example of these imprints. Um, so just to your point about, yeah, things can um, can be it can feel uncomfortable at first to dive into this stuff, but it's like we're really getting down to that fabric of who we are and those imprints and like where do our perceptions come from and how do we want to see the world and can we, if a baby had a certain experience, can we also provide some options or help them discover some options so that they have some options of ways to perceive, which I think is super profound and reminds me that um, one thing I also want to say about this work is that it can really help families reclaim some moments. Mm -hmm. um, so if during the birth experience there there was too much stress to celebrate the baby or someone couldn't orient because it went too fast or someone felt like they couldn't stand up for themselves, whether it's the baby or a grown-up. Um, really see that doing this work can help folks reclaim some of that. That's amazing. Healing on so many levels. So many. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, we're, we're heading to the end of the hour here, but I want to make sure that nothing is left that, you know, is crucial 
for sharing in this specific episode. Is there any final um, thought you might have that or issues or thoughts you want to share before we sign out here? Yeah, I want, I would say always go ahead and um, if this feels comfortable for you, talk, talk with your child and explore this stuff with your child. When to, when to reach out, what to look out for. If something still doesn't seem to resolve, um, if something seems too triggering or too scary to work through, or if the child seems too scared to, to do this, um, doesn't want to look at pictures, too scared to play games. Um, if you, you really feel unresolved about something, reach out for support. Also, I want to say if, if a baby experienced um, in the womb the presence of things like cigarette smoking, alcohol, street drugs, that's one case to please hold off and work with a professional um, because that can um, that can be a challenge for the baby for the from the baby's perspective. But yeah, go go ahead and there's no there's no age too young. Um, it can just it can help bring understanding, communication, help everyone integrate at a pace that you re- you actually can integrate. Um, and it's just amazing. So cool. And then how can people reach out to you? Because you do one-on-one consulting for this yeah. specific too. So how can people um, find you? I know we've said it before, but just in case we have a new listener here, how can people find you? Well, I have, um, I'm super excited about, about this. I have a birth game for folks that people can download where I walk you through it. Um, it's one that's a great starting point for any age and any birth situation. So that folks can find and find me also at consciousbaby.com slash birth game. Um, consciousbaby.com slash birth game. So that you'll find the, yeah, a birth game. So a little more detail um, to walk I'll link to all this in the show notes as well. So if people can't um, remember right off the bat, then they can just find, find <laughs> links there. Find me through there. Yeah. Yay. Well, awesome. This has been such a treat as usual. I, I feel like we should have you on at least once a month, but um, oh. we don't want to take too much of your time. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> so much. So, if, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be back and we'll just have to brainstorm what the next topic will be. And we could probably do multiple episodes on every topic that you've come on so far to talk about, but we're just so grateful for your time. And, and, you know, I, I have people reach out to me on a regular basis saying, thank you for having Eliza on because you've, you've really made an impact through this podcast. And, and hopefully from the podcast, you've been able to work with people one-on-one and it's just been such a, such a treat to have you as a part of my life and to be able to share you with um, all the wonderful people out there listening to. You all have an amazing tribe. It's really lovely to see and lovely to be a part of in this way. So grateful. Yeah, me too. All right. (laughs) Well, um, thank you, Eliza. And friends, you can find me at laura.radicalroots on Instagram and Jess at Jess I'll hold the space. You can email us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. It means the world. Um, If there's anything you want to hear from Jess or I or even Eliza, (laughs) let us know (laughs) and we will continue to try and just bring you the information you love. So thanks again, Eliza. It's been such a treat and we will talk to you soon. 
Bye. Bye, friends. I don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. <laughs>